0: The Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports.
1: Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Visit theathletic.comslash Spot SpotTrack, S P O T R A C, and grab 40% off that first year subscription. That's TheAthletic.com Spot Track. My name is Mike Chinetti. Happy Wednesday night, Thursday morning, whenever you're digesting this episode. Speaking of which, today, Quick recap of the qualifying offer situation in Major League Baseball. The deadline for that was yesterday, Tuesday. Two players in, 12 players, no. Going to talk about all 14. Why the two took it, why the 12 didn't, and what's next for those that are hitting the open market, looking to cash in big. Then, Scott Allen joins. We're going to talk about some uh, some negative storylines in the NBA right now. Basically, the teams that are at the bottom of this thing, despite High expectations, high-paid players, superstars, and uh, before that, a quick synopsis of where the league stands, the 30 teams split in half by payroll, how the top payrolls, how the bottom payrolls are doing from a winning percentage standpoint, what that means, what kind of trends we're seeing, is it different this year than in past years, and then again, I dive into the Lakers, the Warriors, the Nets, and a few others. Under underperforming superstar teams, let's put it that way. So baseball off the top, basketball on the back end. We'll be back with the football side of things this weekend as we approach week eleven in the NFL season. Hope you enjoy. Tuesday, five PM was the deadline for 40 man roster protections to be set and for qualifying offers to be decided upon. We had 14 this year, obviously all pro high profile names. Two players ended up accepting that qualifying offer, which is nineteen point six five million for the twenty twenty-three season. Martin Perez, starting pitcher for the Texas Rangers. This one surprised me a little bit. Um, I just thought he'd get this kind of cash on a multi-year. And I know that the Rangers offered him something. He This was sort of a one-year wonder. He was falling off a cliff there for a few years. And then all of a sudden in 2022, something clicked specifically on this roster and this rotation and that ballpark. So I get it from that standpoint. You know, why why leave town for what could be $15 million more in a multi-year when you can stay here, make sure everything's going well, stay in your comfort zone a little bit, almost make $20 million. And then if it's still to this degree, he's 32, heading towards 33 for 2024. If he's still pitching to this degree, then you put yourself out there. There'll be no qualifying offer attached to you. It'll be a way less prominent free agent class in terms of starting pitchers. And he can stick his neck out there one more time. So probably left some money on the table here, but the fit probably makes so much sense that he said 20 million is plenty for me to go for one more year. And the other is Jock Peterson, who played on a one-year $6 million contract with the Giants this past season. Certainly outkicked his coverage. Uh, the batting average is as high as it's ever been. Certainly the slugging, the home runs, I think 25, 25 home runs went out this year in that great stadium. Similar scenario. Um There was, there's probably a multi-year out there. I I don't think to the degree of like a Schwarber or a Castellanos, even though he's sort of that mold of a player. So he probably didn't have that four-year offer sitting there in front of him. So I like it here. I can make $20 million to play another year here. Again, nothing attached to me next year, maybe a, a little bit thinner, free agent market. And if I can mash another 25 to 30 home runs, there'll be cash sitting there for me. So I get it from both standpoints. The pitching one surprised me just a little bit. Let's run through the other names quickly, and I'm going to give you where I think this thing ends up because now they're out there. Now there's a QO attached to them, which means draft compensation coming back to their uh, you know, their relinquishing team. If and when they get signed based on how big that contract is, most of these players are going huge. Gigantic. And if it's not for long-term, it's for short but super high-impact cash. So let's start with Dansby Swanson, Atlanta Braves. Um, doesn't seem like he and the Braves are going to get this thing figured out. The Braves have a plethora of young pre-arb extensions now on the books. A couple of veteran deals on, in place in terms of the pitching staff. I don't think they're prepared to go 150, 175 on a 28-year-old shortstop who can play like hell. They should, but I think they're going to look other, uh, elsewhere and stay a little cheaper. Maybe even stay in house on this one, as Dan Selman has sort of alluded to a few times. But it seems like he's he's lost for atlanta at this point i put the mariners at the absolute top of this list i think it's a baseline six for 150 he's 28 years old so this thing could go as much as eight ten years if it had to if somebody really has to go you know above and beyond to take him away from somebody else the cardinals are in on short stops the phillies are in on short stops the cubs are in on short stops the red Sox are in on short stops The Mets need uh, uh, possibly a second baseman. There's a couple other teams like that. By the way, Seattle could play him at second base as well. Uh, He's going to be one of the lower costing uh, of this shortstop group, though. Most likely. Especially if it goes longer term. You know, you can keep the AAV nice and low doing that if he's willing to take an 8-10 to year deal. But shortstop number one, Dansby Swanson. Six for 150 seems like the baseline for him. Trey Turner's a very different story. total five-tool stud. I don't think the Dodgers get this done either. It seems like they're going to work in-house, maybe take somebody a little smaller just to cut a little bit of payroll in this regard. I disagree with it completely. To me, that Max Scherzer acquisition was a Trey Turner trade that included Max Scherzer. And letting this guy walk out the door like he did Corey Seager is, is problem number one for that organization, even though the money is going to be ridiculous. And what am I talking about? Baseline six for 200, that's what he mathematically evaluates to, this one's going 300 million. It's going 300, whether it's eight years, whether it's 10 years, he's 29 years old. I think he, he's okay being signed around 37, 38, because he can kind of move around. Certainly he can DH. Um, this is going to be a cornerstone piece for somebody. And I think the Cubs are enemy number one here, if I had to guess. Though don't sleep on the Phillies with any of these shortstops, whether it's 400 million, whether it's 200 million. Xander Bogarts opted out of three years, $60 million in Boston. Does he opt out if Boston's a better team right now and not an absolute train wreck from front office all the way down? I don't know. I mean, I think he's getting $30 million a year on the open market, so it's possible that he would have had to work out a deal with the Red Sox, who I think tried to tack on one year, $30 million to this thing and make it better. Obviously, that's not the right decision. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to place him on the Philadelphia Phillies right now. I think it's the perfect fit. I think he's going around thirty a year. Let's call it five for one fifty. Let's call it you know six for one eighty. Whatever it has to be. I think it's around that mark, and I think that is the team for Xander Bogarts. Back to the top of the list. Let's go catchers. Wilson Contreras. The Cubs did not trade him. Got to qualifying out for time. We knew that wasn't going to be the case. He's, uh, he's not long for this Cubs roster. Who, they're not ready to pay a catcher at this point. They're just not. They have up tons of holes. They're going to fill up the middle of that infield. They're going to load up some starting pitchers this year. They're going to do everything in proper order of operations. And eventually, at some point in time, they'll miss this guy quite a bit because he's a three-tool catcher. There's no question about it. He mashed 43 home runs over the past two seasons. He's real good defensive. Not the best, but good defensively behind the plate. And is that even something that's going to be available here soon outside of throwing people out at home with robot umpires on the way? Four years, 65 is what he calculates mathematically. There's going to be a bidding war with, with contenders here. Houston's going to be in. The Yankees might be in. Uh, big, big teams looking for this guy right here. So this could get as high as four for 80, right around 20 million a year, that real Muto mark, even though he's not quite that that hitter. But without a question, the number one catcher on the market and the qualifying offer being attached to him was a problem for some teams, but for these contenders, let it rip. Carlos Rodon, starting pitcher from the Giants. Giants are standing to lose a couple players here and add some major players here, if I had to guess. He's going to be a, uh, a big, big, big draw for most of these teams who aren't in on DeGrom, who aren't in on Verlander, who aren't looking big time like that. He's going to be big time, but it's going to be more long-term, right? Obviously, he's not 38 years old or 36 years old. He's 29. Had a great season. Wasn't as great as 2021, but if you put those two seasons together, more than viable to, get, to hit the open market right now, even with the QO attached to him and bag $200 million. Six for 200 is about right where we have him mathematically. Does it go north of that? I don't know. That's a big number for a guy who's only showed over the past year and a half or so. But I think it's the right number. Now, you want to go longer for less per year? Sure. No question about it. But I do think that six for 200 mark is about right for him as the preeminent multi-year contract on this on this open market. Chris Bassett's sort of close, but the AAV is going to be way down. Chris Bassett d- denied the 19.65. He's about 20, 21 million a year, three for 61-ish. He's 33 years old, so age is a little bit off his side here. So something in the three-year range at around 20 to $22 million a year is about right. This guy's a number two for anybody in the league. Anybody. He just proved it with the Mets. He, 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 he successfully filled in for DeGrom during his injury situation this season. He did the same for Max Scherzer when he went out with a couple of oblique injuries. Uh, he's shown that he is not just an Oakland Athletics product. He pitched on a big, big stage. And he was the best pitcher on that Mets staff down the stretch. He was the most reliable pitcher on their staff. He's not an ace, he doesn't have ace stuff. He has ace mentality, so he's a great number 2. Toronto should be in. Philly should be in. Right? All these teams that are just looking to add to it. And of course, the Mets should be in cuz the Mets stand to lose three pitchers there. Um, but about 20 million a year for 3 years so should be about right. How about the Grum? The injury stuff's going to scare a lot of people off, and I think it's in- that includes the Mets. If I had to guess right now, the Mets have not made that big offer. The offer that he's asked for, the offer that he's looking for the one that goes past Max Scherzer, the one that's going to go past whatever Verlander does here. So are we talking 45 million a year for three years? Probably. Three for 135 is about probably where DeGrom wants to be right now. But the injuries have not been accidental. All right? It's a product of throwing 100 miles an hour 99 times a day. It's what he's been doing now for five years. We knew this was going to catch up with him. This is Steven Strasburg in a nutshell. He stopped throwing the curveball because it probably hurt like hell to throw the curveball, even though it's been effective at times. And he was all sliders for a bit there, and he got predictable, and that's why he had a really bad, tough stretch down the down the uh, September August path for for the Mets, and wasn't a factor, did not help them win ball games one iota down the stretch. So it's a bad taste in the mouth. You've got the injury history, and you got to go historic to keep him, and you're going to have to go historic to take him, right? If you're Atlanta, if you're Tampa, if you're Philly, if you're some of these teams in West Coast Angels. You're going to have to go to that price point, in my opinion, three for 135 ish to get him past the, the Scherzer mark. I'll stay with the Mets. Brandon Nimmo, one of the most coveted outfielders without power. Look, he didn't have the best 2022. He had a great 21, a good half of, half of 2020. He's not really stealing bags anymore, but he is a factor on the base pass. He's a factor in center field, he's a top of the lineup guy. He loves to walk. He runs the first base after he walks. He's high energy in the the dugout, on the field. Just your prototypical baseball player. And he's going to get paid because there's about 15 franchises, at least least looking at him right now. And I put the Blue Jays at the top of this list. We're talking 20, 22 million a year around that Chris Bassett number, but he's only 29. You could go five years on this guy pretty easily, and you might have to with the bidding more out there. So do not look at Brandon Nemo and think, oh, he's a good, uh, He's a good role player. He'll get, you know, somewhere around 10. No, he's getting 20 million a year. He's getting 20 million a year. Nate Evaldi. I thought he might take the qualifying offer. And this is a perfect example of if Boston was better, he might have taken it. He's going to get more on a multi-year contract. And he might be on a better team. And when you put those two things together, leaving absolutely made sense. Now, Boston's going to try to sign him. You know, they're going to offer him two for 30 two for 32 maybe. That's probably where the math says he's going to be, about two for 33 calculation wise. I don't know how much of a bidding war for this guy. He's been really inconsistent. There has been an injury the past year. So this price might surprise us all. It might be much lower than we thought. And then we'll hear about what Boston's offer was and we'll find out he just didn't want to be there anymore. That's my guess with Nate Aldi. So it might be... A better team, a good team. I put the Cardinals in on this. This seems like a Cardinals type acquisition if they don't get if they don't get Rodon for sure. But I think the price might be less than we're thinking here. Anthony Rizzo has already signed. Two for 40 fully guaranteed. That's 17 this year, 17 the year after that. There's a $17 million third option that comes with a six million dollar buyout. So that's your 40 million. Could be three for 51 if all three hit. He's 33 years old. He's not a spring chicken anymore. So I think he likes New York. I think it's a great fit for him. It's a great stadium for him. He has a role at first base there. He has a role at DH there when Stanton's, you know, able to play outfield. And there's a good connection with Aaron Judge. So is this the Yankees saying, all right, let's get him locked in now as bait to try to lure back the big fish? It's very possible. It's very possible they already know they're getting Aaron Judge back and keeping Anthony Rizzo was a big part of that selling point, right? Judge, we're going to pay a 350. All right, but we're, and we're going to keep Anthony Rizzo. Are we good? We're good. It's possible that's already been on the table as well. But he's back. He stays. It's a good fit for both sides. It's it's the right price point. We had him at about twenty one million a year, so two for forty fits into that narrative. Could be seventeen million in that third year, which is good value for a thirty five year old player who can still bomb the ball out of the ballpark. Tyler Anderson also signed a new deal. Rejected the offer with the Dodgers signed with the Angels about an hour later. 3 for 39. It's about where I thought it should be and look. If that ends up being native all price, it's probably right. 13 million a year even though he values at 17, 18. That's probably about right. Now Tyler Anderson is a true like one-hit wonder here. He came out of nowhere. F- clearly found a good spot in LA there. He gets to stay in LA, but he's a much more needed pitcher now. <laughs> so, we've seen that turn around negatively for some guys who once they hit more of the spotlight, once they're the number two on the team or the number th- even the number three on the team, they're getting better matchups. There's better lineups being put up against them. It's more difficult for those type of pitchers. We'll see if he can handle it. The track record with the Angels pitching has is not are not on his side. Let's put it that way. But the price is good: three for thirty-nine, fully guaranteed, some award bonuses and such built in as well. And of course, Mr. Judge, I don't have much to say here. All right. <laughs> I mean, in terms of the qualifying offer, Brian Cashman probably penned, you know, wrote down the offer, signed his name to the bottom of it, and then turned it over and wrote the rejection and signed his name to that for him, right? I mean, it was never even an option, right? He was going to hit the open market with a qualifying offer attached to him. The Yankees will get some kind of compensation if it doesn't work out. Just mathematically speaking, I pump him into our algorithm. His last two year stats go up against a bunch of superstars. Eight years, 303 million. That's what the algorithm says for Aaron Judge. So that's obviously the starting point. And eight for 300 has always been the starting point. We've been saying this now on the pod for a long, long time. So that has not changed. What's changed is now he's available. Now he's officially on the market and can negotiate with other teams. If I'm him and his agent, I'm taking the whole holiday season and I'm touring the country. And I'm getting stakes in Houston and I'm getting stakes in San Francisco and I'm getting stakes in Kansas City even though Kansas City has no chance, I'm going to get some barbecue in Kansas City because it's on their dime, right? Not that he needs anybody to pay him for <laughs> pay dinner, but you know, you enjoy yourself a little bit here. I think Bryce Harper did it. He didn't sign until February. I think Bryce Harper took a tour and enjoyed the world of baseball for a little bit. Enjoyed, and by the way, let things percolate a little bit. Let the hot stove simmer a little bit. That's good for the game. I mean, if I'm Rob Manfred, I'm, I'm, I'm in his ear saying, hey man, take your time. Right, let's let the NFL do its thing. Let's let college football do its thing. And then let's uh you and I talk about the right time to announce this. Because there's a right time. And Sunday at one PM, that's the wrong time. Okay. <laughs> it's the wrong time. Friday at five PM. That's the wrong time to announce this. Tuesday? About noon? Great. Perfect. How about Tuesday? Second week of January. What are we thinking? Sound good, Aaron? You go and pick your team. Don't tell anybody. Enjoy yourself, right? Spend the money you don't have yet. Second week of January on a Tuesday, you and I will talk. We'll figure this thing out. We'll get some Instagram posts ready, blah, blah, blah. We'll do a TikTok video together. That's what has to happen here. To me, it's not even about where he goes. I'm excited for him wherever he ends up, unless it's just the worst, but it's not going to be the worst. Don't screw this up, Major League Baseball. You got a guy who just went balls to the wall in an expiring contract, ran through team control all the way, went through the arbitration process, was paid properly, overcame injuries. It was the perfect model in New York in terms of the media and backlash. Did everything right for the game of baseball. Please, Lord, don't let this guy announce a $350 million contract in the middle of a Bills-Chiefs playoff game. Can we just agree that that's the worst, please? I have a list in front of me. It is our NBA cash payroll tracker. I've organized it, I've sorted it, I've, I've brought in the winning percentages for all the teams, all 30 teams, and I've segmented it be between the top 15 payrolls and the bottom 15 payrolls. Your guess is as to the mark, the median winning percentage for the bottom payroll team, the bottom half payroll teams in the league right now? Mm,
0: above, uh, above 500, um, 650.
1: Your guess for the top 15 payroll median winning percentage?
0: Top 15 payroll, oops. Oh, <sighs> 45, 145.
1: Okay, you're almost, you're almost exactly backwards. It is as oh, it wow. should be. The top 15 hmm. payrolls, the top 15 cash payrolls right now, carry a median 615 win percentage. The bottom 15 payrolls carry a 430 win percentage. And okay. look, there are some outliers, right? There's Cleveland at, at six, you know, a 615. The Kings are over 500 still, which is unbelievable. And the, and the Grizzlies are at 600. There are seven out, of, seven out of the 15 teams at the bottom of the list have at least a 500 record. So it's not awful. No. I mean, there, there's some real awful dragging this thing down. Like the Rockets are real awful. And obviously the Lakers are real awful. awful. But the, the consistency with the top payrolls actually surprised me. And I know it's always been a pay-to-play league, and that's why they're thinking about changing the rules, right? But it's a pretty heavy pay-to-play situation right now. I mean, we're talking 12 out of 15 of the top payrolls in, in basketball are 500 or better. 12. It's been a really good start to, for, for this. Uh, and I know some of these teams are surprising. You know, Portland being up there is surprising. They're, <laughs> they're a 7 win percentage right now. But that the, the gap between high paid and low paid, to me, is surprising. That's a big gap for a league that kind of hangs their hat on parity, is it not?
0: Yeah, but it is a pay the veteran yeah, to win. Yeah, no question. And, and the conversation the conversation has come up quite a bit in things that I've listened to or read as far as, you know, it takes some of these players six, seven years to really get to a place where they are a an all-star, a, a real player that can have, have change on the team. You know, th- th- some of the stuff is comparing, you know, when LeBron actually won or right. when Giannis actually won, it, it's not in their first four years. These superstars, it takes them years to yeah. really understand how the game is actually played from a multifaceted situation. So the the fact that the teams that are paying, that's because most of the players are veteran players that are needing to get paid or they're coming out of their rookie contracts or they're getting a boost up outside of that. You know, you talk about the Houston Rockets, they've been horrible for the last few years and they have all young players Mm -hmm. that are not being paid. But by the time that uh, like a a Rockets or a Oklahoma City Thunder outside of SGA, you know, when those players actually are six years in, we're probably going to see those teams, at the upper end of these payrolls because they're going to have to pay all yeah. those players for how good they are.
1: Okay. So I was going to go in a different direction, but that just sparked a new conversation for me. What you just said is exactly right. Does the, does the NBA like the Houston Rockets right now?
0: Yes, they do for the fact that in from NBA, meaning NBA organization. Yes, because they want teams to build from the draft. Okay, can I jump in?
1: I got to jump in then. Yeah. Because what you just said is absolutely correct. And we saw it with Boston. Boston's the best example of this. The more these kids grow up, the better they are. Tatum might be the t- a top three player in the league right now. Truly, he might be a top three player. And it's because of hard work on one team you know, within a good coaching staff. Houston's going to get there. They got talent all over that front five, right?
0: Yep, They're going to yep, get absolutely. there.
1: But if there's a hard salary cap, Scott, you can't keep that team together. So you can't have it both ways. You can't be the NBA and say, we love the teams at the bottom right now doing this the right way. Oklahoma City, Houston, Orlando. And then you can't put a governor on this thing and a restraint on this thing and say, but by the time they're ready to win, two of those guys have to be somewhere else. Because that's a, that's what's about to happen here. Am I incorrect in saying that? No, you're not incorrect, but.
0: I think we're talking about like you know the Cohen Mets situation. Some of these teams, the, the 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 Warriors and the Nets, to some extent, are yeah. could be an anomaly. Um, you know, but if the rule is there, it may allow teams to, you know, instead of twenty five million a year, we're going to go twenty twenty one million a year to you know times three players. That gives you. You know, 12 million in space of you you can use with. So it's going to alter the way front offices do negotiate and you mean, look forward. You mean it's going to
1: alter the way players accept salaries.
0: <laughs> yes. In addition to that, yes, yes. But, you know, it, it, what we're seeing is, and we talked about this with Keith, you know, it, it's kind of like a band aid. To to mitigate what the Warriors and the Nets have done the last couple of years, um, so I think it's more of a reactionary than you know trying to get innovative from the league standpoint. But you know, with with the Rockets, you make a great point. If all of those players actually do hit, Oklahoma City is a similar situation. Yeah. Orlando could be a similar situation too with some of those young kids. If all these young kids actually do hit. And these teams actually have to pay them. Yeah, some of these teams they could be up there with. I do think the, you're right. I, I, yeah. I
1: think the rule, and we talked about this with Keith. The rule is in place to stop the egregious tax stuff that Golden State's doing. Even though none of us think it's egregious, we just think it's unique. <laughs> it is. They're willing to do it. Why are we stopping them from doing it? Um, so hopefully that by the by the end of it all, right, a year or so, eighteen months or so down the road, it's not here's the hard cap, start taking less money or you're going to have to change teams. The, 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 re, the direction I was about to go though with this bottom 15 payroll stuff is what happens if one of the players on the t- from a top 15 comes down to a bottom 15 team? Is that enough right now? Is that enough right now to change the makeup of a team? Because I feel like what we're seeing in the NBA more than ever is rip it up and start over and try to get five brand new players yeah. on this roster.
0: Yeah, you're right. There's very few teams that want to operate in the middle. Mm-hmm. It's either high or low. The one team that usually likes to operate in the middle in Indiana. You know they're the lowest payroll right now. They are in trade rumors to potentially move off of. Buddy Heald or Miles Turner. So that would constitute them ripping it off. Um, but that's a team that usually is in the middle. Uh, but you're right. It's either most of the teams are either they're paying high or they're uh, they're trying to rebuild. Mm-hmm. You know, look, the Philadelphia 76ers are a great example. They ripped it all the way down. They had their process for years and now they're at the top of you know they're in the top 15 of payroll they're in the top of the standings and so it's it's cyclical it's really hard to stay in the middle and win
1: okay ready we're going to roll rip through some teams here it's not going to be good by the way the lakers the lakers are three and ten I know we're not supposed to talk about them. I want to. I think it's fascinating. I think it's fascinating it when teams get stuck because there are so many good front offices now across sports, you know, we, we, and it's, we should talk about the positives more than the negatives, but it's very rare that this happens specifically. I think we saw, I think we're about to see it with the Raiders, which I talked about in the last episode and the way that they're going to get out of it is just either cap manipulation or offseason trades and releases. The Lakers can't do that. Can't, they can't just cut Anthony Davis because as a cap casualty. It ain't happening, right? They're not gonna do anything. Yeah, any, they can't, they're they not can't do anything this season Scott. And, Nothing, right? It,
0: right. And I you know, I, I've seen it popping up here and there. Time to trade LeBron. You no, can't trade can't him. Trade him. And, and 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 it irritates me when I see <laughs> big-time media personality saying that you need to trade him, but you can't trade him physically. You cannot trade him because of his extension. He is not tradable until next offseason. So all the heads that be that are calling for him to potentially be traded need to stop because it can't happen.
1: And by the way, LeBron signing that extension is his way of saying, shut the F up. I don't want to be traded. Because if if, if being traded was in his wheelhouse, in his mindset, he would never have extended. He didn't need to extend. It was right. a luxury extend, but it was a purposeful extension. For this reason, he did not want an entire season where the Lakers sucked and his name was being rumored in trades. He literally stopped that conversation with the extension. So you're right. People need to stop. It's not possible until February 18th, 2023, right? After the deadline. Uh, s- six
0: months, six months.
1: After the trade so deadline, he- which means the whole yep. season.
0: It's it's whole season. Not till not till off season.
1: Bingo. So shelve it. Keep it out of your yep. mindset. He can't be traded. Obviously Westbrook can. Obviously Anthony Davis can. They're th- neither are going to be right now, in my opinion. Neither. They're going to ride this thing out. But I want to talk about the draft picks because you talked about some misinformation there with LeBron and the trade. I feel like the draft pick stuff is misinformation as well. A- and you know, take this wherever you want to take it. The Lakers do have a first-round pick this, this coming draft. It is a pick swap with the New Orleans Pelicans, which right now projects to be 19th. They do have a draft pick, Scott. It's just not going to be the number four, or number three draft pick, which is where they belong from a standing standpoint, right? So the Pelicans will right. get a great draft pick, but they do have a pick, and they will forfeit 2024. New Orleans can either take 2024 or 2025. They're going to take 2024. And what happens to the Lakers after this season is going to be as fascinating as when they acquired Anthony Davis, which was, I think you and I, I don't think you and I have ever worked as hard in our lives, okay? (laughs) trying to understand the timing and the the negotiation process and all the pieces and all the teams that were involved. That was like peak Lakers for a transactional stuff. Well, I think this offseason is going to blow it out of the water. And by the way, it could include a LeBron James trade. It could this offseason. Oh, it could. Mm-hmm. But my point in this is, I don't think a damn thing is going to happen the rest of the way. Not a damn thing. Now, they're going to try to beat the Pelicans like hell every time they play them. <laughs> because they want, that. they want that number to be as low as possible. Because they get the Pelicans pick. Something I don't know if people are talking about. But this is just a bad team. And they're going to stay bad. And they're going to try to keep these players healthy so that they're all tradable Come July 1st, when I think we'll see if there's some fireworks. Anything else on the Lakers before I move on?
0: Yeah, I think you're spot on with not doing anything because do you sacrifice the the cap space that you could have next offseason for a temporary maybe get into the play in if you made a trade right now? No.
1: So keep keep your draft, keep keep your cap space. That's right.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you just have to eat crow right now and, and move on.
1: Brooklyn, six and nine they've had some spurts. Uh, The Ben Simmons stuff is now rearing its head again. Shams posted today that there's basically they're lost. They have no idea what's wrong with this guy or or if he likes playing basketball anymore. I'm not going down that path because guess what? We already knew that. (laughs) It was baked into the trade. So let's leave that where it is. Let's just assume it's Kevin Durant. At some point in time, Kyrie Irving and a couple of good, hardworking players, maybe even some shooters and Harrison and Curry. Is this team just going to write the ship and shut us all up? Or is this team going to get transactional? Is there a December slash February, maybe even both? Massive move ahead of us here.
0: I think it's going to take another month to see okay. once you get to that. That's de- a fair December answer. That's a fair 15th Restriction see where things are. Maybe, maybe something can turn around, but because, and we've, I've mentioned this before, you know, December 15th is that trade debt trade restriction lift from all the free agents that signed. So you have a larger pool of players that could be in trades at that point. So when you get there, if they're still in the bottom of the standings front office may say, it's just time to rip this up and let's move on. But I mean, it, who, Who's going to touch Ben Simmons? No, no. He's untradeable as far as having any resemblance of a a basketball player right now. So if you're going to rip the Band-Aid off, you're going to have him sitting on your bench like John Wall, and then you move on from Kyrie and move on maybe from Durant at that point if he's still irritated with the situation from the offseason. It's it's a really fascinating situation situation similar to the Lakers. And I know a lot of the guys i listen to, they're like anti-Nets and anti-Lakers talk for the foreseeable future. But I I think the situation for these two franchises is super interesting because it's just, it's like a train wreck that you can't look away from.
1: (laughs) You know what I mean? It, It is. It is. And if I'm in that front office, and that's kind of what this exercise has been, there's, I got four or five teams here. I'm trying to sit from the front office, looking down at at the at the rest of the season specifically, because we are starting to get towards that December fifteenth restriction lift, and there will be some fireworks from some teams. Indiana probably one of them. If I'm looking down, there's so much discontent. Obviously, right? They are they are producing content at a historic rate right now for the rest of the world. The one thing that I have is Kevin Durant, and I've gone through the the speed bumps with him this summer. And we were able to turn that corner. You know, the trade stuff is gone for now. It's gone. Durant is actually kind of standing out a little bit on this Kyrie stuff and the Ben Simmons stuff, basically saying, let's just get back to basketball, for lack of a better, you know, phrase. I I do think that's exactly what has to happen here. Now, if they're not going to be good, whether Kyrie plays or not, they're just not deep enough to be good, really good. So Vegas. Is crazy with where they have they have this team even to this day, but I think it's just going to be an average oh, I team. It's,
0: I, I follow it every week, and
1: I am just, I'm sure you do. I, I think that the, the resolution here because Kyrie's expiring, right? It's kind of like a Westbrook situation. Kyrie's expiring, may not even play the rest of the season. Who the hell knows? But they have Kevin Durant, who, at least from a media marketing standpoint, you put him on the court and and give number thirty five the ball it's at least a watchable game. And if everything else sort of goes away, physically or mentally, I think they can just get through this season, tolerate this season. The Lakers can't do that. They're going to be bad. They're going to be the story the whole year because of how bad they're going to be. But I think Brooklyn can be average enough to squash the story. That's how I read them. I wouldn't do anything drastic. No, you want to trade Joe Harris the deadline? Fine. Something like, you know, something like that is... Is meat and potato stuff. No big deal. But in terms of these big three players, the Simmons, the Irving, and the Durant, I, I, I don't know what's, gonna, what's in store for July 1st. And it, it, very, it probably will be another trade request from Kevin Durant. But for now, you just suck it up and let him play. You just make it the Kevin Durant show and you stop after that. So again, two of the best teams, biggest franchises in the league right now. And my answer is just sit on your hands. Do you have another answer?
0: No, I don't have another answer for right now until we're further into the season. And then if they're, like I said, if is they're, a part of you they're at the bottom of the parts. standings, then...
1: Yeah, is there a part, that, a part of you that wants to blow it up mid-season? Because there's no part of me that wants to see that happen. I don't want to see Kyrie Irving traded to another organization at all. Zero percent of me. I want him to go away.
0: Yeah, I'd like for him to go away. I, I think if we had a Kevin Durant blockbuster trade, I and mean, from a you know self NBA nerdy transaction point, that would be awesome, fantastic. Um, but from the track history of the Brooklyn Nets, you know they they sold all their draft picks from way before, and then they, they were bad for so long, and now they have this situation. I hate to see. The franchise go through these kind of iterations, um, but from a transactional standpoint, I think it'd be fantastic.
1: <laughs> okay, so you want to come into Rand trade? Got it, Roger. <laughs> uh, Minnesota, <laughs> do we just have to give this one a year? That's three three in a row that I'm basically saying just pause and do nothing. Does Minnesota have to just give this whole thing a year?
0: Um, not unless that coach can really do some magic with the go bear town situation. And it just seems like it's not working out whatsoever. So, you know, th- th- this could go down as one of the worst trades yep. in NBA history yep. for sure. And we're only a month in, so I-, I don't, I don't know if you can sit on your hands for a whole year. I mean, if we get to, January and things start to f- get figured out and the coaching staff has finally figured out a rotation that works and we see a turnaround like we saw with Boston then okay let it finish out but i,
1: I everybody's I don't been know. healthy it's, and they're the 21st ranked defense in basketball
0: yeah they're it's not good
1: <laughs> Does And difference? I've already started
0: I've I've started he- I've started hearing rumors of, you know, Russell getting moved, uh, Uh Towns getting moved, Uh uh, you know, everything. And of course, everything is going to happen because of the situation that we're talking about. But, you know, if 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 they're going to sit on their hands with the same coaching staff, with the same uh, rotation and not try to get creative and try to figure out things, then they're just going to be back at the bottom and not make the playoffs once again.
1: Are the alarms relevant for the Golden State Warriors right now? Because they're loud.
0: Yeah, they are very loud.
1: Is it real? Um, James Wiseman basically just got demoted.
0: Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah, for at least ten games,
1: it seems. Is that no, You do this stuff for a living, transactionally. Is that common? Not for a number two high number one draft
0: pick. Yeah. <laughs> nope. No, nah, it's not. So th- there's there's obviously issues within the organization with him. Obviously the Draymond Green situation and you know his, his comments. You got the Clay Thompson. Um, you know I've started hearing. Do you need to have him come off the bench or um, you know it, it just seems like when it rains it pours and it all started with the Draymond Green situation. Um, back back in the uh, uh training camp situation so um i think the alarms to a certain extent need to start going off and if it continues then yeah because if you missed out a wiseman pick and he's not tradable um that that you know that that could hurt down the line uh drain on whatever they decide to do with him whether they trade him him or not you know obviously something for that team with pretty much running it back from what they had last season outside of Dante DiVincenzo and you know, to be six and eight something something's going on right now
1: if they're a play-in team and are bounced out immediately does the NBA look at this situation and say hey you know we're good with this luxury tech stuff never mind that's what I mean. It, that's punishment, it's punishment reaction. enough, right? Because you're about to spend $350 million on a on a literally nothing season. You know?
0: On a nothing season where you're in a lottery pick and have a chance at the number one overall pick. It was low chance, but you still have a chance. Uh I I just compounding the situation long term. Again, I think the NBA is reactionary with that, but you know again that they may be able to turn it around it could be a trade situation that turns it around and may, maybe there's just something internally we don't know about that is causing whatever strife and they're just not producing as we expect them to
1: it's also just a month and <laughs> it's, it's a, right a it's month. also just it's a super
0: it's that, that's why i say if, if you wait until you know get into january then all right we've 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 got a bigger sample size we only have have a month right
1: now. Brooklyn currently has the six best chances to win the number 1 overall pick. They have yep. their pick. they have their number 1 pick. Golden State has their number 1 pick. Yep. Minnesota does not, the Lakers do not. The Lakers have the the Pelicans which are down at 19. So of the four teams we talked about just now, is there any point in time where this season fractures to the point of where it's let's go make our odds better. I mean, Brooklyn has a 9% chance at Wembenyana right now. 34% chance at a top four pick. Yep. Brooklyn's
0: probably, I mean, Brooklyn's probably the only one. Yeah. If you really, if you suspend Kyrie
1: long, long term, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Because if you're the Lakers, if you, if, LeBron's injury is super substantial and they don't, they aren't able to play. Let's call Anthony Davis. You know, he's probably going to have some injury mid-season. Yeah, but they're not
1: in the victor sweeps they Scott. The,
0: the, but what I'm saying is, you you asked who, who just rips it off and, and sure. goes for the tanking. The, the Lakers can't. Because their pick goes towards the Pelicans. So them wanting to rip it off, they they can't. So the only two that can really rip it off because they want to are Golden State and Brooklyn. And Brooklyn is probably more in the situation of ripping it off than Golden State.
1: I would agree with that. Is it more likely that they tank to some certain degree or that they trade this first round pick to get Ben Simmons off the roster? Oh, um. Oh, that's tough. Mm-hmm. Again, it, business, right? That's what this is. Yeah, it is because Ben Simmons Outside of this Kevin year Durant, plus two. Let's put it this way:
0: this year plus two.
1: That that pick right there, this number six, seven pick projected right now, might be more valuable than Kevin Durant's contract.
0: All right, so I'm gonna say. I'm just spitballing here. I'm going to say you, you rip it off as far as you can to get a chance at Victor while Ben Simmons is still on your roster. Mm -hmm. And if at some point it gets to a point where you need to, it's going to hurt, but wave and stretch him or do a buyout with a stretch, then you, you eat, you will want to eat that for a generational (laughs) talent of Victor.
1: I agree. I agree. I think you keep the pick. I think it's, it's got unbelievable value. Unbelievable value. A third, a th- yeah, especially in this
0: draft, that's pretty deep. I mean, the top three are going to be. I mean, from what I hear, is no brainers between Victor and mm-hmm. Scoop, whoever else is going to be behind them. So,
1: okay, it's fascinating that these teams are even in this conversation, and it's early. Golden State's probably going to find their way out. They generally do, but they didn't a couple of years ago when Curry got hurt. They didn't. And that's why they have Wiseman and they didn't in 2016. And that's why they have Curry and Draymond and all these players. So it it is not unprecedented to see the top, you know, favored odds teams to stumble and then rip it off. It's not, or shut it down is maybe a better way to say it, right? Just shut it down with hamstring injuries and whatnot. It's not unprecedented in this league. And when you have a draft situation like we do right now, I realize that tanking is like the, uh, you know, nobody's supposed to talk about it and the networks are literally avoiding the term. It's going to get real. It's going to get real. And when you start looking at draft order like this, no matter what time of year it is, there's, there's a real possibility that Durant is playing with Victor Wimbignano next year. Right? <laughs> it's a possibility. And you want to talk about going from zero to 100. That's how you do it. Oh, right yeah, there. absolutely. That's, ask the Cleveland Cavaliers how that works out with a player like Evan Mobley. It works immediately. Immediately. So there's a, there's some truth to this not to this nonsense let's put it that way. Do any other teams belong in the conversation we're having? Are you are you worried about the Clippers or is it just they're getting what they deserve because Kawhi is never going to be quiet? Cuz that's how I feel.
0: I I feel the same way. Yeah. I do.
1: To me the only other team is Miami, but everybody kind of saw this coming. They were overachieving. Jimmy Butler's great, but he can't sustain this for 5 years, you know? He can't put this entire franchise on his shoulders. And I think they swung and missed with Kyle Lowry and that's that easy. Yep. They swung and missed. Mm-hmm. He was the wrong guy yeah, at this time for that move. Yeah. It was the wrong guy.
0: Yeah. that that That's a team that could be in the, all right, we need to blow this up because we're old and we yeah. need to refactor whether you trade Bam, Duncan Robinson, you're, you're stuck with hero until next year, but if his value continues to stay high, then, you know, maybe you work around him but that is a team that could go from 60 to zero pretty quickly if they have some substantial injuries with some of those older vets.
1: What's the trade restriction on BAM? Is there one or is that all gone? That's This is year two of that contract, right? He's, just a, he's a designated player, so he can't go to certain rosters. Is that it?
0: Right. I believe so. Uh, yep. He's in the second year of that extension, so he is tradable.
1: Okay. Well, knee injury, right? That's kind of the, it's that time of year for a lot of superstars, unfortunately. Desmond Bain, LeBron. We're seeing quite a bit of big names go down right now. So hopefully things kind of clean up closer to the, to the middle of December when the season actually starts, right, Christmas? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, we'll do it again soon. All right, have a good one. My thanks to Scott. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track for 40% off that first year subscription. We'll be back this weekend. With week 11 of the NFL, some more major league baseball signings, hopefully some contract breakdowns for some major players, but no hopes up yet until the winter meetings get here and some of these trades actually start to hit. And of course, plenty more with the NBA as all of this progresses into week to month number two of the 2022 season. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Ginetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spotlight Podcast.